Welcome to the Radiant Life Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we pray will inspire your heart and challenge your faith. For more information on RLC, please visit myrlc.family or check us out on social media. Have a blessed day. Now here's your message. back into a series entitled The Power of Choice, Choose Wisely. So we kicked this series off uh, the Sunday after Easter, because on Easter you come and it's about Jesus and his resurrection and it's powerful and it's awesome. And you're like, man, I want to know this Jesus. And you give your life to Jesus and things are great. But then now what? Like what's next? After I give my life to Jesus, after I say yes, what am I supposed to do now? And that's really the heart of this series, is to be able to say, okay, what's our next step? What's our next choice? What's our next right choice? And when we kicked this series off, we, we talked about how we can choose to be set apart. That's a choice, right? We don't have to, but we can choose to. Uh, we talked about how we can choose um, to forgive, right? And we, some of you are like, didn't we just do these cards? Different project today, uh, because when we did forgiveness, we took maybe the bitterness that we had on our heart or a person or something that was done to us, and we, man, we nailed those things to the cross, saying, Jesus, I relinquish control, right, of allowing this, this to create a bitterness or a burden in my life, and so we chose to forgive. Uh, and then Pastor Emily preached a great word on how we can choose our next steps. We all have a step, we're all on a journey, and along that journey, we get to choose, are we going to take the next step? And then Pastor Anthony preached a great message on uh, thankfulness and choosing to be thankful in all things, right? Thankful in all things. And then last week, we unpacked a little bit, what does it look like to choose to surrender, right? We have control on one side and we have surrender on the other. The theme verse for our series is Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. It says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then you choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. And so you see there's this choice. There's power of choice. And we all have to make choices. I love this quote by A.W. Tozer. He says, the driver on the highway is safe not when he reads the signs, but when he obeys them. Right? It's not when he reads them, but when there is obedience. And that's the heart of this series, that we wouldn't just know what to do, but we would actually do it. Right? It's one thing to, to be hearers of the word. It's another thing to be doers of the word. And so that's the heart of this series is we get to choose what action we want to walk out in our life when it comes to following Jesus. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of First John. It'll be on the screen, but I always challenge everybody, hey, just don't take my word for it. Be like, well, is that really what it says? Read it. Follow along. Jump in your Bible. You got a paper one? Open it up. You got it digitally? Go ahead and open that up. We're going to be looking at First John chapter 4, verses 7 through 11 this morning. It says, dear friends... Let us love one another, for love comes from God. All right, just let, we could pray right there and just close out service, because dear friends, let us love one another, because love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. That's a key transition there. God is love. We're going to talk about what it means to have a feeling of love versus who God is, because that's his character, that's his nature, because he is love. It says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Amen. Come on, everybody. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And in verse 11, it finishes with, dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to, right? We ought to love one another. We see in our text today that we can choose to share the love of God. 
right? So the choice today that we're going to make is we have a choice to share the love of God. So let's go back to our text and maybe pull a few things out to give some framework from where we're going today. In verse 8, it says, God is love. And we've got to be careful not to reverse this, reverse this statement. The Bible is not saying love defines God, but that God defines love. And there's a difference between the two, right? God is, love defines God. No, God defines love. Therefore, everything that is from him that he does is loving. You look in verse 10, he applies it then. He goes, okay, God is love. Verse 10, God loves us, right? Then you read on to verse 11, because he loves us, then we ought to love others. And so you see this progression. He loves us, right? He's love. He loves us. And now we have to love others. Others. And it's very important for us today to be able to grasp this because we can only give to others what we have first received ourselves, right? We can only give to others what we have first received ourselves. And so the challenge for us is we must be willing to release what we have received, right? We have received love. We have been given love from the Father. And now we're to be agents and conduits of that love, not hoarders, right? We're not supposed to collect it all for ourselves and be like, I got it all. No, we're supposed to give away what has been given to us. The love that he has lavished on us needs to be lavished on to others. And I don't know about you, but the world right now is struggling for some love, right? They're looking for love. They're looking for hope. And we, we have the answer and his name is Jesus. And so since we've received it, we have to release it. Since we have partaken in that love, we are to be givers and an expression of that love to other people. And I get it. Sometimes the world's tough to love. People are tough to love. Right? They can get on your nerves. But the scripture doesn't say if they get on your nerves, they're not worthy of love. That's not what it says. Right? And so we are to be that expression, that physical, tangible expression of his love. I wonder if we struggle a little bit because of our misconceptions of love. Right? How many know we have some misconceptions of love? Like we use the word love a lot. Like I love God. And I also love a nice charred smoke brisket. Mm, let's go, right? I love my spouse. I also love football, right? So we, we see this word like love. We, we, how many know you love your neighbor, right? When you have a neighbor that is constantly investing in their property and they are adding equity and value to yours as well. Thank you to the Moyers. Appreciate all the work you do at your place, right? I'm like, my house just went up another thousand. Let's go, right? And I didn't do anything, but it's one of those things. We love, we love our neighbor. We love, we love sunrises, and we love sunsets, right? So it's like, oh, I love when it comes up and I love when it goes down. I love, I love our children. Ah, but I also love empty nesting. <laughs> Some of you are like, yes, yes, I do. I love when they come home and I love to kick them out. Uh, by the way, you cannot kick your four-year-old out. They're yours. You have to keep them. Okay, 18, you can do whatever you want, but for now, they're all yours. But I wonder if we struggle with it because the word love means it can mean anything. And then we struggle to understand does it mean everything? And so what is love? What, how do we unpack this? And I want to give you three misconceptions this morning. The first is this, is that a misconception would be real love comes from a feeling. Love has feelings, but it's not a feeling. Because otherwise, here's what would happen. It would be here today and gone tomorrow. Or if love was, was just a feeling, it would be here today and gone tomorrow. Let me, let me give you a, an explanation of how this works. Uh, some of you have heard this story. I'm going to share it again because I just love sharing it. That's how Pastor Angel and I met. And the, here's how the story starts. I was working at a grocery store and Pastor Angel stalked me. That's what happened. She beheld all of, like, that guy's 
hot and I need to go meet him and I need to talk to him. Uh, actually, that's a bold-faced lie. I actually, she worked at the grocery store and I stalked her. Uh, I can say that now because we've been married for a long time and I can't go to prison for it. So here's the thing is, is I did. I would make sure I would intentionally go through her line to just be able to say, hey girl. And I was like, girl, can I get your pager number? And she was like, no. Um, I didn't ask that, but she did have a pager. Okay. Um, but, it, but it was one of those things where I was like, I just want to get to know her. And man, I, my good friend, my best friend who I, uh, who I was roommates with was dating her friend. And I uh, was like, hey, do you want to go on a double date? And she's like, oh, I'm not sure. Just coming out of a relationship. Don't know if I want another one. And so I think he paid her and she said yes. And so we went on our first date and it was a straight dumpster fire. Like it was bad. And um, I'm not sure why she said yes to the next one. Um, but I was asking her friend, like, hey, so what do you think? And what do you, uh, and man, I don't know if she's looking for a relationship. And I think it was maybe our second or third date. Uh, Pastor Angel was like, I just never thought I would date a redhead. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Ah. So I did what any young man would do. I went and dyed my hair and uh, we went on a third date and uh, everything was great. And it was like, ah, no, but, but it was one of those things where it was like, ah, I'm not, I'm not sure if she even likes me. Right? We kept going on a few other dates, and, and, and then she would say this, you're just so nice. And I wasn't sure if that was code for you're butt ugly, but you're really kind. And so I just, I, like, there was, I wasn't sure, like, what's happening? Do you really like me? Do you not like me? Um, and then there was this moment where I introduced her to crab legs. And it was from that moment that it was a defining moment in our relationship, because it was that moment where she met the man of her dreams, and now we have three kids, a son-in-law, a dog, and we've moved 16 times, and yet she still loves me, and we're getting ready to celebrate 27 years of marriage. And, and so I share all of that with the understanding that love is a choice to be selfless and sacrificial. Because we've had fireworks in our marriage and we've had failures, right? Not every day is sunshine and rainbows. Not every day of your marriage is it like, this is honeymoon. Every day is a honeymoon with you, boo. That would be awesome if it was true. And I, I think I have the best wife, but not every day. And so we have fireworks and we have failures. But if love was a feeling, then it would be here one day and be gone tomorrow. And you'd be on your next spouse and your next spouse and your next spouse and your next spouse. And it would keep going because it's not a feeling. It's not a feeling. It's, sac it's sacrifice. The second misconception would be real love comes from approval. Right? Real love is found in approval. How I act, what I say, what I do. If, if I, you should love me regardless of anything I say in anything I do. In any choice I make, you should still love me. Real, I feel like real love is bringing out the best in someone. That's real love. It's about bringing out the best in someone. You see someone who's just, man, they're not just on a, on a path of destruction. They're making horrible choice after horrible choice. I mean, do you walk up to them and say, I just want to celebrate you today. I hope that what you're walking through, these choices you're making, they will lead to addiction. I want you to know I love you and I'm so proud of you. No, you wouldn't say that to someone. You would say, listen, I want you to know I'm here with you. But I need to have a tough conversation with you. I see the choices. I see the patterns. And I want something different from you. I don't want destruction. I want life to come out of your life. I don't, I don't want to see you make poor choice after, more, after poor choice. But I want what's best for you. And I don't feel like that's the route you're heading. And so you have tough conversations. There was this moment, my kids were little, and um, we had trained them how to ride their bikes, and they're, they're doing really good. And we lived on a, on a, a fairly busy street and, um, in Medina, and one day they're riding their bikes, and Bree's riding down the drive, and she turns onto the sidewalk, and Kirsten's riding, and she doesn't turn onto the sidewalk, and she rolls right into the middle of the road. 
It was in that moment, as any good loving parent would do, I ran outside and I started cheerleading. I'm like, Kirsten, I'm so proud of you. I love that. I'm so grateful that you rode into the middle. I'm so grateful that you're in the middle of the road on a bike, dodging traffic. You're awesome. No, as a loving parent, you wouldn't do that. Why? Because you want what's best for them. You don't want to see harm. And so what did I do? I came up with a plan. So what we're going to do, daddy's going to park his car at the end of the drive. The sidewalk is no longer your stopping point. It's the car. (laughs) Because if you hit my car, I'm okay with that. Another car hits you, that could end poorly. And so what do we do? We put up a barrier, a boundary, not because we don't love, but because we do. And so when we choose love, it's not, hey, I'm not going to, I may not approve, but I want what's best for you. We need to bring the best out in others. Here's the crazy thing. There's a moment we moved to Wadsworth and we were living on Hall on a rental. And uh, so Hall uh, runs into, I think it's it's Woodland, off where we live now. And so we started driving down Woodland. It's downhill and Akron Road where it's really fast and everybody drives on. Same child misses and rides rides her bike in the middle of Akron Road. I was like, when you were small, we had this conversation. What happened? Like, I missed the turn. She has never missed a turn on her bike since that moment. Right? Why? Because there was some love. There was some direction. And so we have to choose to be loving in those moments. Third misconception would be real love comes from effort. Real love comes from effort. We have to earn it. It's all based on performance. If I do the right thing, if I act the right way, then you will love me because value is based on what I do, not in who I am. And so that's, that's how I was raised as a kid. Now, here's the crazy thing. It was only for me. It wasn't for my siblings, right? So I had this bad misconception of what, what real love is because for me, it was about performance. Well, you need to do the right thing. You need to be on honor roll. You got to have, you got to have all A's and B's. You need to be 3.5. You got to be a, a three-star athlete. And so I played all three sports and I hear me on this. I love playing the sports. It wasn't that, but there was no option for me not to. And for me to get good grades, there was no option for me not to, but understanding that my younger brother and older sister had both dropped out of high school. But for me, it had to be A's and B's. And I was like, I don't understand this. Well, there's, we expect more. We expect more. And so what I realized is I needed to perform in order to feel love. And then I give my life to Jesus. And because of my upbringing, we are all products of our environment. I come into a relationship with Jesus. I'm like, oh, he'll love me. How am I going to get him to love me? I'm going to do great things. Right? I'm going to avoid sin, and so I'm going to do great things. I'm just going to, I'm going to stay away, I'm going to make the right choices, and I will earn God's love. But how many know that God, in his word, already said that he loved you first? You didn't do anything to earn it. He shows up with it, and it's up for us to receive it. But here's the problem. I don't think we have a giving of love issue. I think we have a receiving of love issue. Like, are we willing to receive his love? And so those are just a few misconceptions about love. If we turn back to the text in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, it says, this is real love. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. He sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. This is real love. It wasn't, it wasn't about our effort because he loved us first. He sent his son, which means it's not about a feeling. Because how many know if it was about a feeling, he would have said No. He'd be like, okay, let me make sure I understand this. I have one son. I'm going to send him to people who are going to ridicule him, mock him, put him on a cross. He will be beaten. He will be flogged. He will die a a horrible death on a cross for people who don't care and will reject him for the remainder of eternity until he comes back. Yes. 
If it was a feeling, he would have said no, but it's not a feeling. It was a selfless act of love for the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And he sends his son. And then the last part of the text says his love takes away our sins. Takes away our sins. It allows us to become the people God created us to be. He takes away our sins, which means we don't have to wear the label of what we've done because we get to wear the label of what he's done. Right? It's not about what we've done. Like, oh, I made this choice and I made this choice. But, but what about what he's doing in you? His goodness, his kindness, and his mercy. So in order to release it, we have to receive it. And I want to give you a picture of what Jesus is talking about. I want to give you some context and then we'll jump into it. In Luke chapter 15, verses one through three, this is, this is a story that Jesus is telling. The crowd is listening and he's going to give some, he's going to tell some stories. Jesus was the greatest storyteller ever. And so he starts off and he says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees, the Pharisees are the religious people. This made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So they have a problem that Jesus is eating with tax collectors and other notorious sinners. And so Jesus comes up and shares a story, right? He knows there's some tension. Let me share a story. And so he, he says, why am I eating with sinners? And then he shares the lost sheep. Because Jesus has a passion, a passion for lost sinners. And then he shares another story about a lost coin because Jesus sees value in all people, including sinners. And then he jumps into Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 25. And this is where we're going to read today. It says, to illustrate this point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. Now understand the two sons is important. Why? Because you're seeing choice, the power of choice. We often talk about the prodigal, but we miss the other son because you have a choice. And so there's two sons and there's a choice. In verse 12, it says, the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. What the son was actually saying is, I wish you were dead. And this would have been a shocker to the crowds because this, wasn't, this is not how it's supposed to be. He's saying, what I want, what you have is mine and I want it. And so in order for you to pass down this inheritance, you need to die. That's what he's asking. And so this, the, the text goes on. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Verse 13, a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. Now understand something. He packed all his belongings. Well, where's his inheritance? Because in biblical times, it wasn't like we have today, like, oh, we're going to transfer all this money and after, you know, and all this thing will be gone. No, they, it, was, it was in property, in real estate, and in livestock, so your inheritance would have been, hey, here's your portion of land, here's the, your portion of livestock, which meant the son went and sold his property and his livestock. Now, now, that's one thing for you to make that decision by yourself, but it's another thing understanding that in biblical times, when they would have passed down to an inheritance, it just wasn't for the son, it was for all the son's family, all the workers of that property, all the, the caretakers of that livestock. So what he was saying was, is I don't care about you, dad, nor do I care about everyone else here who is serving. I want what's mine. And I'm going to take it and I'm going to leave. And so that's what he chose to do. Now understand, the people listening would have understood that this is, a, this is a final decision. There's no coming back. What you're asking for means that you will be gone forever. Because in biblical times, there was this uh, tradition called the kazaza. Now you're like, how do you know if that's really what it's called? Because I Googled it in three times. It was the same pronunciation. So I know that's right. And so they had this kazaza. And here's, here's, what, here's what the word kazaza means. It means cutting off. It means if someone left the village and all of its inhabitants, that means they couldn't come back. And so what, the, what they would do is they would take clay pots 
And if, and if that son, if that child ever decided to come back, the village or the town would come out and before the son or daughter would get there, they'd smash the pots on the ground. That was representative of, of there was a broken covenant. You are no longer welcomed here. Our relationship is over and it is irreversibly shattered. You can't come back to this town and you're not welcomed. And so that's all the listeners would be like, oh, this is a great story. That son just messed up and he's never coming home. And then Jesus continues on in his story. It says, and there he wasted all the money in wild living, frivolous living. About that time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land. So now you're seeing like, hey, I made this poor choice. And now here's a consequence. And now all of a sudden I'm living in a famine. And now because of this, things are going to go from bad to worse. And it even gets worse after that. It says he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. Now culture, Jews and pigs, unclean. Pigs are unclean. Now he's unclean. So again, it's, it was like, here, I made this decision, it got worse, and now it's, it's, it's crazy and it's out of control. And the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. So what we're seeing is nothing was redeemable about this young man. And now he's lost. In verse 17, it says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food, enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against you, both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Now understand, he's, he's, this is a plan. This is, this is a new plan. Hey, I had a plan. I want my inheritance and I'm going to waste it. Now I need a new plan because I'm starving and there's a famine. And if I can just go home and my dad would hire me, I don't need to be a son, but at least I'll be taken care of and I can survive. And so this is my new plan. And in verse 20, it says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was a still a long way off, his father saw him coming filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. Now, in biblical times, like we say things like, man, that was, my heart is just ripped out of my chest. My heart is broken. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't have that kind of anguish from the heart. They actually felt from the gut. So this would have been a gut-wrenching, I'm full, I'm broken, full of love and compassion. And the father takes off towards the son and understand that this is way out of cultural norms because there is no way that he should be running in this tunic. It was disgrace. It would bring shame. It would bring guilt. It would bring condemnation for someone to see his legs. And yet he takes off to the son running. Why would he run? Kazaza. Because he has to beat every other person in the town to his son. Because his son is coming home and everybody else in the town has clay pots. He took his inheritance. He left us. He's full of guilt. He can't do anything to get that back. And so he's not allowed into the city. And all of a sudden, they're getting ready. And here comes the father. No, 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 no. You can't do that. This is my son. This is my son. He's coming home. And he comes home. And he gets in front of it so the son doesn't have to take it. Jesus does that for each and every one of us. This is his story of a father to us. He gets in front of it. He got in front of it by giving his life on the cross that we wouldn't have to experience death eternally, but we could live forever with him. He got in front of us because we could never do enough to earn it. And so now here the son is. And so Jesus is, why do I eat with sinners? Because I feel like it? No. Because I approve of everything they've done? No. Because they've earned it? No. Why? 
Why would he eat with sinners? He eats with sinners because he wants them to receive his love. That's why. He ate with sinners so they would receive his love. And so what are we supposed to do? We see in the, in the rest of the text that, that the father, he gives, a, he gives a robe, a ring, and sandals, and those are very symbolic. It's, it's about forgiveness. The robe is forgiveness, right? It's saying, I forgive you. I'm covering. I'm putting covering over your sin and your shame. And then he gives him a, a ring. This is about restored identity. This is about belonging to the family. This is saying, you have value, son. And then there's sandals. Those, those sandals represent a renewed purpose, a meaning for life. There's, there's hope now, son. In 1 John 4, 11, it says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. So Jesus gives an expression of how we're to love others. So how do we do that? Real quick, very quick, three points. How do we share the love of God that we've received with others? Number one is this, look around. Look around. Do you know that we all have people, places, and passions? Right, people. There are people in your life. Right, you have family members, you, you have loved ones, and so those are, those are people that you can show and share God's love with. You, you have places, you have coworkers, right? You have acquaintances that you've met along the way. That's, those, are, those are places to be able to share God's love and then your passion. Maybe you're part of a, of a league, right, of some sort, whether it's softball or, or a golf or something, and now you have passions, and so now what? You have lost people in front of you, and so you're able to share God's love. See, this morning, uh, this paper is very symbolic, and, and I'm going to ask you uh, to close this service to do something very important with this, uh, because I, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to write three names down. I want you to write three names, whether it's, whether, whether, when you think about that, maybe it's a person uh, in a part of your family. Maybe it's from a place because it's a coworker. It's someone that you've met at the gym, or, or maybe it's about your passion, and maybe it's, it's someone you've been in contact with while you're out in the community. But I want to challenge you right? To share God's love. Well, well, who am I supposed to? I'm not sure who I'm supposed to write down, Pastor Lance. Well, 1 Corinthians 13, right, gives a great description of what love is. Love is patient. So whatever, whoever the person is that pushes your buttons the most, maybe that's who you should put down because love is patient and you want to share God's love with them. Maybe, maybe it's kindness. Maybe there's a person that's just like, man, I, they don't deserve it. Neither do I. And so maybe you choose to put that person down, that person who's just mean, that person who's just angry, that person who's just bitter, and you're like, and I'm gonna share God's love with them, and I'm gonna lay hands on in the name of Jesus, like I'm gonna do this thing. Uh, but, but there's names, and I want you to be able to write their names down. Here, it's very important, here's why. Because if all 400 of us write three names down, and we take the entire summer, June, July, and August, and we are saturating them in prayer, we are sharing God's love with them, that means 1,200 lives could be impacted for the kingdom of God. Because we strategically said, man, I want, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be praying for three, three individuals. I'm gonna share God's love with these three. And that doesn't mean like you ignore everyone else, okay? That's not what I'm asking you. But what I'm saying is, would you be strategic and intentional with writing three names down that you would be able to share God's love with them? So how do we share the love that we've received? Number two is this, is open your eyes. So you're like, well, isn't that looking around? I, you can look around and miss a whole lot of things in front of you. But when you open your eyes, there's tons of needs. There's tons of needs. You see a need and you meet it and you have to be willing to serve others. First, first Peter chapter four, verse 10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his variety of spiritual gifts. Today is Pentecost Sunday and you're like, yeah, spiritual gifts and we're gonna use them. But listen to what it says. It says, use them well to serve one another. These gifts aren't for you to just be able to hoard. They're used to build up. They're used for use to serve each other. I said this a couple of months ago. You find a need, you meet it. You see a hurt and you heal it, right? You look for it. You open your eyes. There are physical needs, 
There are people maybe walking through some things and their grass needs cut. If you've got a lawnmower, you can have a volunteer position. Right? There's, there's people who are walking through some things. Right? I think of my good friend back there in the back row. I'm sorry, Glenn, that I'm bringing you attention. Uh, but Glenn has been a member of this church since birth in the nursery right, has never left this church. And in the past three months, he's lost his mom. And then just a few short weeks ago, he lost his wife of 50 years. And you say, man, there's a need. And so maybe not today because he has a full fridge of everybody already being kind, but maybe next month you go, you know what? I bet you he's still grieving because I'm sure I would be. I'm going to take Glenn a meal. I'm going to see if Glenn needs something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Glenn to, to go out and get some coffee and just sit down because we have physical needs. We have emotional needs. Hey, would you like to get a cup of coffee? Could I just be a friend? Could I listen? Is there anything that you need to share? Anything you need to get off your chest? We need to be walking side by side with people. That's why I love life groups. It's about doing life together. And you're like, but Pastor Lance, life groups are over. You you shut them down. Last one's in May. You take June, July, and August off. What am I supposed to do now? Here's what I love. Is you do not need a program from Radiant Life Church to have people into your home. You know you're allowed to open up your house without us, right? Like, it's okay. You can, you can invite people over. You can say, hey, I'm doing a cookout. We'd love to have you. You don't have to call me and say, Pastor Lance, can I get permission? Granted, right? Granted, all summer long, hang out with everyone as much as possible, right? And so when you, you have physical needs and you have emotional needs and you have spiritual needs, we're, we're to be a city on a hill. On the worship night, worship night was phenomenal on Wednesday. If you missed it, uh, the next one you don't want to miss, okay? But, but here's the deal. I said at the very end of it, hey, be willing to share on social media. You know, it's not about tag Radiant Life Church. Make sure you say what great church. No, would you share with other people what God is doing in your life? Because here's why. You don't have to preach a message, but you can share a story. You don't have to preach a message. You don't have to be like, man, I, I think of... Uh, Paul, right? I don't have these persuasive words of man's wisdom, but the only thing I have, so you can share a story. Because someone's not, who's going to argue with you? Like, hey, I was, I was at church on Sunday and I just really felt like this, this is what God was speaking to me. Like, no, you weren't at church on Sunday. No, I actually was. I was in the building. No, I don't believe you. Well, no, I was there. There's actually cameras in the parking lot. And so they, they knew, they can get a picture. They can prove I was there. No, that didn't happen. You mean you forgave somebody? I don't think you forgave them. I think you still, you see what I'm saying? People aren't gonna argue with you when you share a story of what God is doing in your life. So be willing to share your story. And then lastly, how do we share the love of God that we've received and we share it with others? Is put it into action. All right, John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and life to the fullest. Right? When we are following along and following after Jesus, there's something that happens in our life where, where it creates a holy curiosity and it creates questions. Because people are like, I don't understand it. How do you have so much joy right now? Like, why are you so happy? Why are you so kind? I don't understand. Like, why, why would you come to my house and bring me a meal? Why would, why would you mow my grass for me? Why would you, why would you call me and, and check in on me? Because, because I was walking through something a few months ago and you just cared enough. Like, why are you doing this? I'm doing it because God sent his son. And when I didn't deserve it, and I couldn't earn it, he loves me. And I want you to know he loves you too. And so I, I'm, I am living out something that I don't have to preach, but I can tell a story. Here's why. Because we're showing them love in how we live. We're showing them love in how we live. I love Mother Teresa. She said, I'm a little pencil in the hand of a writing God who is sending a love letter to the world. 
right? That's, that's what I am. I'm, I'm a little pencil in the hand of a writing God who is sending a love letter to the world. So as he, as he uses us, it's a love letter to the world because how we live is an expression of how we love. And so today as we close, I wanna just, I wanna come back to the card. I'm gonna pray in just a moment, but I want you to really honestly, would you write three names down and be praying over them? So this was probably about five years ago. I was at a conference and someone handed me a card very similar to this and they had five names and I put five names down. I've been praying for those five names. I've been reaching out and communicating with those people and uh, they they don't know it, okay? (laughs) But three of them from five years ago now attend this church. Right, and I haven't given up on the last two. Last two, the, one of the last two was, uh, was at our Easter service, bawling. And I was like, get them, Lord, get them. <laughs> and I'm not saying that's, I didn't do anything. I, it, this isn't, oh, look at you, great job, Pastor Lance. No, I wrote names down and I strategically and intentionally prayed, reached out to, text, sacrificed some time. And are we willing to do that? I mean, I think about what we're going to preach on next week. We're going to be talking about we choose to be generous. And it, there's, some, there's a little bit like, ah, if I throw it out there, people are like, you know what, next week, that's the Lord's will for me to miss. Generosity. But I'm not talking, I'm going to be talking about are we choosing to be generous with our time, our talents, and our treasures? Some of you are like, yeah, I'm good with the first T's. Time, talents, oh yeah, I'm all good. But the treasure, mm. So next week, we're going to do something special. I'm going to encourage you. We're going to post in our Facebook group. Would you bring some extra cash with you? We're going to do something. We've done this once, and we're going to do it again. We're going to do a reverse offering. So we're going to pass some buckets. Old school, right? We're going to pass some buckets. And we're going to put loose cash in those buckets. No checks, just cash. And we're going to, we're going to start from the back, and we're going to pass it forward. And when it gets to the front, then we're going to pass it back. And then we're going to give you the opportunity. If you have a need, you take it. There's no questions asked. And you're like, that's going to make me feel very awkward if I have to reach my hand in and grab something and I'm going to feel like I'm robbing God. If for in that moment, you're like, I just can't do it. Then what you're going to do is you're going to email me, lance at myrlc.family, okay? It's on the website. You can click the button and you're going to say, hey, I couldn't put my hand in, but I have a serious need. I, I, I need groceries. I need rent money. I need, I need to pay my utility bill. It's getting ready to shut off. You're going to email me and then I'm going to get you, some, I'm going to get you a, cat, a check because we can choose to be generous, to bless others. So the staff, the staff wasn't aware of this, but we were just in Cincinnati and uh, we're at a business meeting and we, there's an ordination service on Sunday night and we needed to eat afterwards. And uh, Pastor, Matt suggest, or Pastor Kim said, it, it, uh, we, I wanna go to Roosters. And it was right across the street from where we were having service. And Pastor Matt said, no. And uh, so then he goes, let's go to Fridays. And so we go to Fridays and we walk in and Pastor Angel was the first one to walk in and you could see the fear in the server. And, and Angel was like, are you guys still open? She was like, yeah, I'm the only server tonight. She's like, how many in your group? She was like, Pastor Angel, like 10. She goes, could you place a to-go order? Yeah, you know what? I'd love to eat in my car wearing a suit. That's beautiful. I love that. Um, and Pastor Angel was like, you know what? We don't want to be those people. We want to honor you and we're good. We'll, 
So we left and we went and found a different place to eat. So we walk into that place, we get sat down and the server comes over and Pastor Angel, she does this thing, it's so beautiful. I would encourage you to do it as well. Our, sort, our server's name was Jordan and uh, Jordan gives us our drinks and then Pastor Angel goes, hey Jordan, we're gonna be praying for our food. Is there anything we could be praying for you about as well? And so he was like, man, that's great. Yeah, would you pray for strength and wisdom? You know, a lot coming up in my plate. And we we're like, yeah, we can do that. So sure enough, our staff out loud in public at Smoky Bones in Cincinnati, we prayed for our food and we prayed for our friend Jordan. And we prayed for him and that we'd have wisdom and courage. And uh, it was great. And at the end of the night, we're, we're done and we're leaving. And I just felt like, hey, we need to be a great representation of generosity. And so it was $100, the, the check was 100 bucks. And then I gave him a $50 tip. And so I walked up to him and I said, hey, Jordan, man, I just want you to know, typically I leave this on the table, but I just wanted you to hear it from me. Thank you for taking care of us. And I want you to know that we've been blessed and we wanna be a blessing to you. And I handed it to him and I got about five, six feet away. And all of a sudden you hear this, yes, that's what I'm talking about. And I was like, I guess he just read his tip. And it was in that moment. And I'm not saying that like you have to go do all this. What I'm saying is there was an opportunity to be generous. There was an opportunity to share God's love because why we looked around, we opened our eyes and we put it into action. You have to look around, open your eyes and be willing to put it in action. And that's what we're gonna do all summer long as we pray for these three people. So as we close today, would you close your eyes, bow your heads. And as you've been underneath the sound of my voice, you're like, man, you've been talking about receiving and releasing, about receiving and giving, but you've been talking about this person of Jesus and I don't know Jesus, I have not received Jesus. And so his love is for me, but I've never accepted that love. It's a gift and, and I understand that, but I've never said, Jesus, would you come into my life? I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Today is your day. So no one looking around, if you're here today and you wanna give your life to Jesus, you wanna say, that's me. I, I want to receive today so I can release tomorrow. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Cause I wanna pray with you. That's all I'm gonna ask. I'm just gonna pray with you. I wanna know Jesus. I wanna give my life to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Now, symbolically, would you hold this card in your hand? Father, I'm so grateful that you've asked us and we can choose to share your love. God, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to each and every heart, each and every person watching online today. God, that there's those people who, who need a savior. There are people who are hurting. There are people who are lost. And God, I don't wanna be like the religious people who questioned why Jesus would get to know them. God, I wanna I want be like Jesus. I wanna be like your son. And I wanna be at the table. Not because I approve of what they do, not, be, not because they have to earn it, but because I want them to receive from you your love. So God, I pray that we would be strategic, intentional with offering and sharing that love all summer long. And Father, I pray for the hands that went up to receive you as Lord and Savior. Lord, we admit our need for you. We believe that you are the one true Son of God and we confess our sins to you. And Jesus, in this moment, God, we open up our heart. We open up our, we open up our minds to receive you as Lord and Savior of our lives today. God, would you come in? Would you reside? Lord, that we would receive and be recipients of your love and of your mercy and of your kindness today. Because it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. God, it's that kindness that draws us to you. And Father, I pray, Lord, that we would all be agents and conduits of that love. What we have freely received, may we freely give. God, help us to be more like you. We love you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.